Welcome to The Peer Perspective. This podcast is brought to you by Ascend Mental Wellness. It is based on lived experiences and personal perspectives. It is not intended to replace therapy or medical advice. I am your host, Ginger Miller. And I am her co-host, Michelle Morehouse. Welcome to today's show, A Closer Look at Social Reintegration. We'll be examining social integration and the steps needed to help justice-involved individuals with re-entry. Our guests today are Gabby Wood and Sarah Parker, our two outreach specialists at Ascend. Gabby, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your roles and what you do? So I am Gabby Wood. I'm the outreach specialist for Warren County. Um, what we do is we work with law enforcement agencies as well as community organizations to provide services primarily to those involved um, in the criminal justice system. Um, so for my part, I work with Warren County Sheriff's, Glens Falls Police Department, Warren County Probation, Warren County Social Services, and mostly um, Baywood Center. And I'm Sarah Parker. I do outreach for Washington County. I mainly work with Washington County Sheriff's, um, a lot of community agencies, sometimes probation, as well as the discharge planning at Washington County Jail. What is social reintegration and why is it so important for justice-involved individuals? Um, it's definitely a multifaceted thing. Um, I think it's important for us to look at reintegration through the lens of social determinants of health. So that would include not just someone's physical health, but their emotional health, financial health, um, their economic health, and even like spiritual health. So that definitely means like taking things one step at a time. If one needs to be prioritized over the other, then we try to do that when we're providing outreach services. Reintegration is a good turning point in people's lives as well, especially if you're going into society, say from incarceration, it's a chance where you can look at what coping mechanisms, people, places, or things are working to better yourself, and what are those um, people, places, things that maybe aren't supporting you? I know I've worked with a number of individuals that have um, been trying to reintegrate, and it can be a very challenging from a lot of different aspects, which both of you have touched on a little bit. I know that one of the big ones is the transition process. It's a, a big change in lifestyle and everything. So touches on all the things like you said, Gabby, the, the financial, the emotional, family structure, touches on a lot of different things. And it can be very overwhelming for someone if they don't have supports. How can social reintegration help justice-involved individuals successfully reintegrate into society? When an individual has access to supports and resources in their community, they're far less likely to reoffend. Um, obviously, people don't want to go back to jail usually, but um, there are a lot of things that are needed socially, emotionally, um, economically to prevent recidivism. And there have been entire huge bodies of research devoted to showing that having community and social supports um, is a massive factor in preventing recidivism. I totally agree with what Gabby's saying. I think having those supports, not only to hold you accountable, but to also help you grow as an individual are super beneficial in social reintegration and going into society again. A piece that I deal with a lot is a lot of those folks uh, sometimes have a struggle with 
a substance use disorder or specific mental health issues. And so I'm glad that I'm able to give them some support and direction with those things too, because that's just like an added layer to the complication of reintegrating. What does a justice-involved individual's support system usually consist of upon reentry? It consists of a network on all levels from family supports, individual supports, to programs and services. So if you were struggling with substance use, if you needed Suboxone, make sure we have Suboxone for when you're out so there's no withdrawal when you're getting released from incarceration where you might have Suboxone to make sure that continues for when you're released. We definitely take a holistic approach, like even in our initial assessment when we first meet with a person who's been referred for outreach, um, we go through basically a list of like, do you have a primary care doctor? Do you have a therapist or a substance use provider? Do you have housing needs, county benefits, uh, connections to food pantries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, it's a pretty short assessment, but once we have a person who feels comfortable speaking with us, they tend to reveal their needs pretty quickly. Um, it could be something as simple as, like, I really need a winter coat or a food box, um, but it could also be that they have far greater needs than that. How soon do you meet with individuals before their re-entry upon their release to begin that support structure? Varies from two weeks to one month. However, people can put in slips ahead of time, and that process could be three months in advance. Like, if they wanted to see me and their release date isn't for eight months, I'll still meet with them just to get the ball rolling see what connections might be needed, give them that support that somebody is aware of their case and there is somebody paying attention. Do you often find that in that process of building those supports, you're connecting with people like Ginger early on to start that process as well? Absolutely. What does that process look like for you when they begin that early um, connection? Um, usually I'm, I'm giving, given their release date, and their phone number and I get back to whoever's doing the referral just to let them know okay my first chance that I'll be able to call or connect with that person after their release is at this time then I'll call and make that an appointment with them hopefully they've gotten the notice that I am calling and usually that is the case and we're able to have a little bit of a conversation and find out a little more specific you know how, how can I be supportive. Here's some things that are common for me to help with. What are some potential barriers that justice-involved individuals may face when trying to reintegrate? 100% income and transportation are the biggest barriers across the board, but it also may be that the person in question is just navigating systems that are really difficult to navigate. I know that we've run into a lot of people who would like to gain employment, but they don't have their social security card or a photo ID or a birth certificate. And you need two out of the three to get the third. And also a lot of people that we work with have learning or cognitive disabilities that make it difficult to complete paperwork. So something that seems simple, like filing for benefits with the county is a lot harder for them. There's also just a shortage of affordable housing nationwide. And even if someone does find affordable housing, it may not be safe or conducive to their health or sobriety or betterment. And to piggyback off what Gabby said, we are in a serious housing crisis. And sometimes that housing that is given to people might be a motel room if you go to DSS. And there might be somebody using in front of you when you're trying to stay sober. So even though you might have housing, it might not be the best situation in order to better yourself, stay sober. It might not be the best environment. Transportation is huge regarding Washington County. 
it's really hard for people to maybe get their benefits or go apply in person for these programs when there isn't reliable public transportation. Sarah, do you find working in Washington County it being a more rural community versus Warren County that it's a little bit more urban with Glens Falls? Do you tend to have that accessibility issue aside from transportation, uh, just being able to get the people to their um, where they need to be? Sometimes taxis, they say they're going to be able to make it out there, but when there's a big snowstorm and you're maybe in Granville or Whitehall, sometimes the taxi people just can't get there, and that's a last-minute change that puts people in a hard situation when there's no other buses. Um, How are they going to get to that doctor's appointment? It creates a big struggle for people, and once you miss that first doctor's appointment, it's easier for it to become a, a pattern, and I think just having reliable transportation is a huge aspect in people maintaining following up with all the services that have been set up for them. Ginger, do you find that relapse aspect that can happen? Do you work with a lot of that as well, like that cross-connection? Yeah, a lot of times a big part of what I'm helping be supportive with is just the idea of how frustrating it is for them. Kind of a sounding board, trying to give them some, you know, thinking out of the box. Have you tried this? Talk to them. Do you know about this resource? But it is really just a lot of listening because it, it, it's very frustrating when someone's thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get my life together. Here's a chance for me to begin. And these issues keep popping. I can't get my transportation or you know, this has been canceled, or and it is much more difficult for those that are out in the rural areas. Gabby, what accessibility issues do you find for Warren County? So there are definitely parts of Warren County where that is a struggle, definitely not as much, but if you get up to somewhere like Chestertown or North Creek, um, that does become an issue there. It is definitely a bit less of an issue because of our, our small little cities that we have. So I would, I would say that even affording to get on the bus sometimes is a struggle for people, you know, if they have to choose between getting something cheap to eat or taking the bus, they're probably going to choose getting something to eat. The bus is just a dollar, you know, a dollar is a lot to a lot of people. Do you guys do a lot of hands-on with that transportation aspect sometimes? Absolutely. You know, another thing that I've come across a few times is individuals that the transportation issue wasn't necessarily that they weren't able to get a Medicab or on the bus line, but because of mental health, whether it's PTSD or anxiety or things Mm -hmm. like that, just the idea of transporting on a public bus or something like that is just far, far beyond what they feel they can handle. 100%. What role does our Outreach and Lemurs program play in facilitating this social reintegration? Um, So on my end, I primarily work with probation. Um, A lot of what I do involves coordinating treatment with the individual's probation officer. For instance, if they're mandated to substance abuse treatment, I assist them with scheduling those appointments um, and connecting them to long-term supports, like sober supports, like Ginger. Um, as well as whatever others think that they would like to have, and just advocating for them generally. For lemurs and other outreach referrals, um, as well as folks in jail who won't be under supervision post-release, it really is kind of whatever the individual is comfortable with or feels that they need at the time. Um, Could be anything from peer supports, housing programs, care management, 
I think outreach lemurs facilitate social reintegration just in the sense of educating. A lot of people aren't aware of what services they qualify for and the help that they can get. And a big part of that is just telling them what is available to them and then helping them navigate that process. How do you typically refer these individuals to these services, whether they're our services or other community partners within the community? I always like to emphasize that there are options and nothing is a force. I want to be supportive, not forcing your hand, especially since we aren't in the legal system of being punitive. I want to let them know that it's every, it's all on them. I'm here to support. So if you want mental health, I might get you three options that your insurance takes, and I'll let you pick out of those threes whatever you're comfortable with. It's not me um, directing, saying you have to do this, this, and this. It's very much meet them where they are. One of the things that I think, too, um, that's really awesome about the type of support that you guys provide is that a lot of times people in general don't necessarily know. They know they need help with something, but they don't know necessarily with what. You don't know what you know kind of thing. So it's great that you guys are able to say, well, have you thought about this or thought about that? And you give them a little bit of help with things that perhaps they hadn't thought of. Ginger, how can peer support contribute to the social reintegration and mental health recovery of justice-involved individuals? I think one of the big things is finding out what they're comfortable with, what it is that they want. Do they want to connect with recovery groups? I can certainly help them find whether it's 12-step groups or non-12-step groups. Uh, if they're not interested in groups, are they interested in one-on-one? -on -one? I can do one-on-one -on -one or find a peer that they would be comfortable talking one-on-one -on -one with. I think another piece of it is helping them to decide where their path is. Where are you right now? Are you there, There's a cycle in recovery. Where are you in that cycle? Do you feel like you are still contemplating it? Do you feel stable? We kind of need to know where we're at in order to know where we're going. And so if they can identify where they feel they're at at this moment, then I can help them to see what's ahead. Which direction do you want to go in? How do you want to accomplish that? Sarah Gabby, what role can mental health professionals play in facilitating the social reintegration for justice-involved individuals? Long-term mental health providers help create those coping mechanisms, positive coping mechanisms, ones that maybe aren't going to get you in trouble, help you identify your triggers and how to be more successful, and just build toolbox for yourself to cope throughout life. So to effectively help someone with justice or legal involvement, um, mental health professionals, in my opinion, need to come from a place of understanding and compassion. There's already, as we all know, a huge stigma around mental health, mental health treatment. That stigma is so much more intense for someone who may have committed a crime. It's an absolute must to ensure that as a mental health professional, the person you're working with doesn't feel judged by you for their past they do, the treatment's not going to be conducive to a positive outcome for them because they won't be able to form that trust with you. I think that that's the biggest thing, treating just as involved individuals like any other client. That way they feel comfortable talking to you about their need. How can the involvement of families and communities help support the social reintegration process? Knowing that you have other individuals who support you and they want to see you do your best is huge. Um, being able to surround yourself with people 
who might be able to see that you're maybe not doing well and pick you up even when you don't realize you're maybe slipping through the cracks. I think that's a huge extra support system that is often forgotten about. Having other people to hold you accountable. Um, For some people, especially those in recovery, I know, it's a lot easier to feel accountability towards others rather than oneself. So having a network of family, friends, sober supports, mental health providers, it's all part of one's community. But yeah, <laughs> trailed off there. Finding, finding their little tribe. Yeah, their, exactly. The community that they fit into. Yeah. What are some potential long-term benefits for successful reintegration for these individuals? I think long-term um, success looks different for everybody. But if you can maintain in society and be the best version of you, I think you're killing it. Maybe that's getting a job. Maybe it's not working, but just rekindling relationships with family. Mm -hmm. I think everything's one step at a time, and those small steps will add up into the big picture. Uh, Not going back to jail is definitely a benefit. But certainly uh, also improving one's circumstances and their health. Um, Like I said earlier, emotionally, socially, environmentally, physically, all that. As a peer support, I feel like the the piece that I have in that is to continue to give them hope that those things can be accomplished. They don't have to all be accomplished right now. Let's just look at one or two things at a time and stay focused on them until the ball starts rolling. Because most things in life, once you get something kind of rolling, it has a natural progression of its own, and then you can start working on another piece and things will keep coming together. Not that there aren't road bumps, but that's why there's people like us, supports out there to say, okay, let's. how do we get around that and how can I support you through it? But I think giving them hope that this they can do this. Gabby, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us, providing a refreshing perspective on the importance of social reintegration in our communities and educating our community who might not recognize the importance of this topic. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I appreciate you having us and just allowing us to explain what outreach is. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, It's wonderful the platform you guys are building with this podcast. And remember, you matter, can do this. There's no shame in having support. There are resources available and don't be afraid to reach out. Join us for our next show, Horticultural Therapy and How It Benefits Those in Recovery. Visit us on our socials and our website, www.ascendmw.org, for all of the latest information, newsletters, resources, and podcasts.